You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man is a two-time felon. I work really hard and I've been, a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Welcome back to the Freedom Pact podcast and today on the show I am joined by Dara Ennis. Dara is an Irish quizzer, scientist and postdoctoral researcher at Oxford University. He's more famously known as one of ITV's chasers on the hit TV quiz show The Chase and today on the show Dara and I are talking about passion, purpose and living a happy life. This was a really fun conversation, one in which I enjoyed very much and one in which I'm sure you will also enjoy very much. So let's jump right into the episode with Dara Ennis. Dara, welcome to the Freedom Pack podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So it's been a while now. You've had a chance to to settle into your, to your new role on the TV. You've been almost uh, thrust into the spotlight. Um, but I wonder how, how, how you found that transition from, you know, uh, a seemingly normal life, a normal career, to suddenly being thrown into a world where you were never really pursuing and that attention that comes with it. That must be quite a, a culture shock for someone who was never chasing that sort of life. Um, yeah, it is a bit, but honestly, it hasn't changed my day-to-day life all that much. Mm. Um, because we're largely you know, staying at home, and when we do go outside, we're wearing masks, I've only had a very small number of people recognize me in real life who didn't know me already. Like, I think it's two or three. But, uh, like, other than that, it's been all online stuff, so it's it's not been that bad. It was a lot weirder um, the initial time when I was a contestant on the show, when that blew up. That was much stranger because I got so much attention that I genuinely wasn't expecting. This time around, I'd been prepared for the concept that people would be contacting me and all that kind of stuff. So it's been unusual, but it's not been too overwhelming, luckily. Yeah, I was going to say with the online stuff, it's, it's quite astonishing, actually. I'm not sure if you're aware, but there's um, quite an infamous Chase meme group on Facebook, and they... Man, they, I've never seen anything quite like it. They worship you specifically like a king. I um, I posted in there a few days ago, actually, because I thought, you know, get some, you know, some fan questions, maybe see what people want to hear. And I, I won't even read some of the comments out because I like to keep this PG. But, man, some of the people they were saying are, you know, how much they love you, how much they, you know, how much they fancy you. Will he marry me? I can believe him, man. There's about <laughs> 200 comments of these people. How do you digest something like that? Because, you know, that's, that's quite, quite new. The, that, that aspect of it I really wasn't expecting. Um, you know, the, I've had, I think, six offers of marriage from people I've never met before, I, including one who was who was willing to give me a monthly stipend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which cracked me up completely. Um, obviously, these are people who are like, some of them are having a laugh and some of them are would never, ever, ever say anything like that in real life. But not only am I extremely happily married, but 
I spend a lot of time trying to impress women and failing really badly. So uh, I, I do realize this is just because I'm on TV. So I, I take it all with a pinch of salt. Most people are doing it to have a laugh. And, and I kind of, I default to that unless they get a bit weird and creepy. But um, most people don't. They just do it for a laugh. You say, I send them a picture of my wedding ring and they go, oh, that's it. My life is over. Ha ha. And that's it. So it's, it's not too bad. It's, it was a bit of a shock, but now I just treat it as a joke. Yeah, I think the name of this Facebook group is The Chase Wolf Posting. Um, it's just this, you've heard of it? Oh, oh yeah, I know I know Walsh Posting because um, I started getting an awful lot of requests for, you know, video messages for people's birthdays. Uh, and, and okay. that kind of so it got out of control. So I, I signed up to a couple of websites where, you know, people can book me and, and pay a small fee so that, you know... It, it keeps it under control mm. and I've done at least two or three really weird ones for them. Um, so, but I think they're hilarious. So it's, they seem to have some sort of script going where there's a, like a horror movie type thing between the chase and pointless and other TV shows and, and yeah. a tipping point especially. So I I've done a few really weird requests like for them, but they're all really funny. So I don't mind. Were you, were you aware of that sort of, meme culture before all this happened or is this quite a bit of a new phenomenon to you because it is quite strange if you're brand new to it but i i understand like i know memes exist i'm a little bit old you know i'm 40 so i i this is a relatively new concept for me memes but i'd never in my wildest dreams thought i would ever feature in one like you know <laughs> i i just i didn't think that anybody that, actually this this is a good way to put it i didn't think anybody cared that much about the show I knew there's a lot of viewers. I know it's very popular, but I didn't think people genuinely cared. And it turns out that people really care. They really, really care. They're really into this. They're, they're not just fans of the show. They're classically, they're fanatics about the show. And there's a lot of them. So yeah, that was, that was a big shock. But yeah, the meme thing, I think it's hilarious. I send it to my family. And if you ever want to keep grounded, you talk to my family because they just, they, they just take the mickey out of me really bad. It's very funny. Amazing. So for everyone who's come over to watch this from the Walsh posting, Dara does not accept your marriage request. We'll have to say it. Um, another another crazy thing I noticed as well. I don't know if you're aware of this, just as a, just while we're on the topic. I was searching you up on YouTube to, uh, I think I was watching one of your previous interviews and I stumbled across these series of videos and they're almost like, I don't know how to describe them. They're sort of like edits of you mixed with like romantic music over the background like some are called like pretty brown eyes and it's just close-ups of your eye have you seen these yeah my sister actually posted that in my family whatsapp group this week and oh. i i erupted laughing i think people have far too much time on their hands to be brutally honest but you know it, it doesn't do any harm so i don't care you know a lot of people saying oh are you weirded out but it's not at all i even got contacted by someone who not so much the romantic ones, but those other edits of like clips of me on the show with like dramatic music and things, mm. and, you know, and the person who makes them contacted me and said, look, I've been asked to take these down because people think it's weird. I said, just do what you want. Do, do you. It's not doing me any harm. You're not saying anything mean or horrible about me. Go nuts. I think if people were, you know, slanderous about me or if they were saying things that just weren't true, I might get a bit annoyed, but somebody wants to put a picture of my lovely brown eyes, they can go right ahead. I think they're crazy, but they can go right ahead. 
Amazing. Um, it's been quite a while. Like this has been quite a while coming for you now. So, like, has it been a weird process in the terms of you've probably, I imagine, you've recorded these shows quite a while back now, and they were sort of back catalogued and waiting to come out. So, I'm assuming what we see of you now on the TV was probably from quite a while ago. Is that right? It is up to a point. So, yeah, when I first recorded shows, there was a long gap because it was the original slated date for it to come out was uh, St. Patrick's Day, actually. It was March. Wow. But they didn't end up going out for about six months after that because all TV schedules just got completely yeah. uh, wiped out. So everything was pushed back by five, six months. So there was that big, long wait. And I had already been in training for a couple of years. People were beginning to think I was lying to them, to be honest, mm-hmm. like people involved. Um, but right now, the ones that are going out right now are, are socially distanced episodes. And that's done on purpose by by ITV they want to show that this has been done in a way that's safe and all of that kind of thing so the ones that are currently airing um are relatively recent but there are ones definitely that are recorded a long time ago that are just sitting there in the can waiting to go out um but I'm assuming that'll go once we can go through all the socially distance episodes so right now it's from a from a few months ago but it could be there's some that are a long time waiting I'm sure the contestants who are on those shows are going nuts because they've had to wait so long Nothing we can do. I wonder as well, you, when it came to your first ever proper show, there must be quite a lot of nerves that comes with that. You're thinking, you know, or if I put in a really bad performance on the first show, you know, it's whether you win or lose on that first show, what were your nerves like going into it when it was all brand new? I, I don't really get stage fright. And this is something that's been the same for me all the time. As part of my actual main job as a scientist, we have to give talks quite a bit. Mm. I've given talks at massive conferences to complete experts in the field and I just go out whistling. It doesn't bother me. I never got exam nerves, anything like that. I, I, that kind of situation doesn't make me nervous. I was, I had a kind of nervous energy, but it was excitement rather than fear driving it. Um, my main feedback from my first show from the producers, well, I had to stop looking like I was enjoying myself so much because, you know, we're meant to be a little bit mean and we had to have a poker face sometimes, but I was grinning like a lunatic. I, I, I genuinely love this job i love going out it doesn't i don't get nervous really at all Amazing. so with both of your jobs now you mentioned how much you love that have you like i imagine you you love both have you found that you've you've really like found a way to mar- like marry your passions and you know paying the bills in life because you seem to to really love both yeah yeah I, i'm one of the very lucky people who loves their job and i actually love both of my jobs so you know, I go into work very happy all of the time. And I think that's a that's a real bonus for me. And it, it helps me, especially on the TV stuff, that I am that happy and I'm that confident because it is largely a confidence game. You'll, you'll see whenever any chaser loses, it's usually because either there's a very high target or they get a few wrong and they get uh, what we call the monkey gets out of the box. You know, the, the animalistic nature comes, kicks in and you start making mistakes. You get mm. upset, flustered. So the fact that that doesn't happen to me all that often is a real advantage. But yeah, I, I think that I'm very, very lucky. I, I genuinely love my science job as well. I have a great time. I've been there for eight years and I've like, people have asked me, would I leave? I really don't want to. I, I love this job as well. So, and, and that's what I do most of the time. This, this is another thing that people who are fans of The Chase don't understand is that it's a part-time job. It's yeah. the... In terms of recording, it is anyway. You have to do a lot of work in the background, study and, and try to improve and do a lot of quizzes. But in terms of actual hours worked, I work 90% of my working life is done on my science job, not my quiz job. <laughs> Would you say then that 
I know it's not an option for most people because some people just have to do a job they don't like to pay the bills. And sometimes that, you know, that, that luxury isn't always an option. But would you say then, would you advise people to almost, you know, double down and, and, and chase their passion and be realistic about their marriage between career and passion? And how have you noticed their effect, the overall like happiness of your existence since you've managed to do that in the last eight years or so? Yeah, it's 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 been great. I I genuinely am like I I I'm very happy. I I love my life. It's it's wonderful, and I I realize I'm very fortunate because the the majority of people either think their job is okay or they don't really like it, but it pays the bills. And the advice I'd have to give to someone who's in that situation is, if it's not practical for you to change, because often it's not. You know, you you can't pursue your passion if your passion is something that doesn't pay money. You know, you have to you have to put food on the table. Is that you? you delineate your life as much as possible and you do your job. And then when you're done with your job, stop doing your job um, and find something else that you do that makes you happy. You know, whether it's a sport that you play or a hobby or children or, or whatever, and, and concentrate on that. I think one of the biggest problems in, in a lot of jobs is because of sort of email and smartphones and the availability of information, people never stop working. So you've got, you know, email notifications from your boss on a Saturday wrecks your day. I love my science job. But I turn off all notifications at the weekend. I don't work weekends and I haven't done for years. Um, because I, I, I do other things. You know, I'm starting to keep bees. So I have to assemble my beehives this weekend, which is going to be great fun. It's something I've always wanted to do. You know, I've got children who I play with and, you know, we do all sorts of stupid stuff. And, you know, I love watching football. I love reading and I do all that stuff because I don't work some days. So if you do have a position where you, you know, your job isn't your life, make sure you have a life don't don't let it take over yeah I, I think with a lot of people when they look at you guys on a show like you know the chase and you know they see the intelligent they just seem to think like these guys they, they were born intelligent they were probably you know reading Tolstoy at the age of five but I wonder have you always been uh, a lover of not have you always loved learning and education from an early age was that something that was always in you I always loved reading. I didn't always love education. I was in a lot of trouble in school, um, wow. especially primary school. I Weirdly, I'm one of the very few people who's been suspended multiple times from primary school. Not for like really bad stuff, just for acting out. I, I genuinely didn't like school. I loved university though. Okay. I absolutely loved university. I had a great time. I, I, I want to. I was there for 10 years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I had a great time at uni um, and I really liked that. But I've always liked reading. And, you know, my my mother, especially, and my father were very supportive about that. My house was full of books. And there was never an, a point where if I wanted books, I couldn't get them. Um, and I was always encouraged to read and all that kind of thing, you know. So I, I grew up in an environment that's like that, which is is very important as well. People tend to focus in on genetics an awful lot. And as a scientist, I can tell you that, you know, nurture has an awful lot to do with how you turn out. If you're in a house, like I know some people are in houses that don't even have books in them and they just never read and they never, never do that kind of thing. And that's, that's not how I was raised. I was raised in a house that we always did that. And we always encouraged that kind of stuff. I used to drive everybody crazy. I never stopped reading. I was, I'd be sitting at the bottom of the stairs to get light in peace because I had I have three older brothers and a younger sister. So um, it was a busy house. So I'd have to try and hide somewhere and I'd be getting in everyone's way. And yeah, I always loved reading and I, I grew up in that environment. So for, for people who think that it's all genetics, it, it partly is, you know, mm. there, there is a certain amount of that, but a huge amount of 
the, my ability comes from practice. So yeah. I, I'm on four quiz teams now at the moment. So I do like four quizzes a week online. Um, you know, I do the chase stuff. I read, I work really hard at this because I have to. Um, and I am not even within touching distance of the others in terms of ability yet, you know. So hmm. it, it, you just have to keep working away at it and you never, you never give up. And there's no such thing as wasted knowledge. This is the other thing that people think that's a waste of time. Why would you bother learning that? It turns out that knowing all of this useless stuff was a massive hole. There was a mine of useless information, but now I'm a professional useless information person. So it's, it's worked out. I want to touch on the, you mentioned there, the graph that goes into it. But, but before we go on that, you mentioned we were talking just then about uh, education. And it's interesting to me because you're obviously a really intelligent person. You love learning, but maybe you didn't get on well in the early stages in school. And there's, there's that saying that if if Rip Van Winkle woke up today, the only thing he would recognize is the education system or the early education system anyway. And do you, do you think that the education system is, especially from a young age, is evolving in the right way now? Because, I, you know, at, at, at a certain point, it used to be like everyone was tested in the same way your ability was black and white and, and you might be a different learner. Um, in some cases, it was like trying to get a fish to climb a tree and test them on that ability. Do you think the education system's moving in the right way now? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's it's so much better now than when I was in school, like mm. so much better. I see it with with my kids that, you know, the the inclusive nature of it, the it's a much friendlier environment. It's more encouraging. Um, you know, the, the school that my my daughter goes to has every classroom has its own library of books and they can just take books whenever they want and drop them back off that never happened when I, when I was a kid there was a library in our primary school that we went to and I mean this once a month and we got, and we got one book that we weren't allowed to take outside of the school you know um it's it's a much different world the the interactive nature of the environment even the homeschooling thing which has been a bit of a pain and a bit of a drawback they've really worked so hard uh, it's it's such a much better environment. It's much more inclusive. And I think the, the fish climbing the tree thing is, is quite apt because I was always good at school because of my memory. I'm a, I have a very good memory. I just remembered stuff and I, I was away. But if you weren't that kind of person, you basically got punished for it. You know, whereas any, the, now they reward creative thought and, you know, different types and, and emotional intelligence are, are much more important. Whereas before it was just the ability to learn things. And I, I think it's a much better system now. You mentioned that you have to do a, a lot of studying. There's a, there's a big graph that goes behind becoming the elite quizzer that you are. Uh, like I've mentioned, people just assume that you guys know things, but I'd be interested to find out what does the actual graph look like? Does it involve sitting down and reading quiz knowledge books? What are the hours like? Are they maybe two hours a night? Or what, what is the graph like? Yeah, so um, it, it varies a lot, but... I try to at least do, if not a quiz, an actual quiz, which is the best way to study, by the way. People think mm -hmm. it isn't because you're much more likely to bias yourself if you pick your own subjects, whereas if someone else writes the quiz. And there's a, there is a reasonably small number. Well, it's a huge number, but it's, it's a manageable number of questions that come up in quizzes all of the time. And if you do enough quizzes, they stick in your head. You know, yeah. there are things that come up. Other than that, I, I do usually try to do an hour or two of, you know, reading lists, reading quiz books. I buy things like old sets of Trivial Pursuit and read through the questions. Uh -huh. um, yeah, anything really that I can. Um, I've got a, a, an online thing, an app on my phone that I store flashcards of things like capital cities and, you know, Olympic hosts, 
cities and authors of books and winners of prizes, Academy Awards, that kind of thing. And I try to just go through them. So if I'm ever bored, if I'm waiting for something, normally, you know, a lot of people would be browsing social media and stuff. And if I'm not doing, I do that a bit. But if not, I go through these lists and try and just go over them and over them. So it's, it's, it has to be very flexible because of my life. If I didn't have my science job, I could probably sit down and do, okay, I'm going to do two or three hours of this every single yeah. day. I try to do that much, but it's, it's not feasible some days. Do you watch the shows or similar shows and sort of see where you add up live when you, when you sat at home watching the TV? Oh yeah, I do. When I can. Um, I, I have a, on occasion, I've sort of live tweeted along to some shows mm. and sort of, I've done that. And I like to see which kind of questions come out because again, even though they try to keep the questions relatively unique, there are some things that come up on yeah. the show over and over again. You know, it's like, you know, which singer songwriter, and then they'll say, had this album in this year or whatever. And mm. there's a limited number of those. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, they try to keep it current and I'm terrible at things like pop culture and current music. So watching the show really helps me have, I might not know the answer, but I have a good educated guess the next. So if in a two or three months time, they say which singer songwriter released an album in this year, I go, okay, I know that person released an album recently because I heard it on the show and it gives me a stock answer mm. because the, the, the biggest crime you can commit, if you can possibly avoid it, the word pass should never cross your lips in a quiz show. Yeah. Get. Make Unless sense. there's a punishment for doing it, just throw anything. It doesn't matter if your answer is wildly wrong. Sometimes they're right. And we like to look like we're very confident, but there's been several occasions where, you know, I've gone on a run in the final chase where two or maybe three of those were at best an educated guess. Um, because I just pick out, you know, if they say which surrealist artist, I just say Dali, even though I don't know. Because Dali is the most famous one. There's a few others, but it's probably going to be him. That kind of thing, you know. Mm. It's interesting, because there are those answers that pop up again. It's like, I feel like every other week, the question starts maybe, which graffiti artist? And the answer is always Banksy on every quiz yeah. show ever. So, yeah. And if it's, if it's a British history question and they ask which century, it's either the 19th or the 18th. <laughs> nearly the whole time nearly the whole time because that's when britain had a huge empire and everything happened they they would very rarely ask so if one of the things that they make fun of mark does this all the time and it's great is if there's one second left and he needs to catch someone so he will shout out a word he will just shout he'll either shout out a color or 19th that's one of his favorites because it's which century or mm. winston churchill or something and he'll just shout it out and it hasn't happened yet but one, one day he's going to be right and there will be absolute uproar. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that used to give me anxiety on um, on Beat the Chasers when he'd do it every night and I was just waiting. Oh, horrible. But one day, like you said, it might, it might, uh, might pay off. Do you, I wonder, do you have any particular learning techniques or any sort of memory techniques that you use or are you just, just naturally gifted with memory? I am naturally gifted with memory, but that only takes you so far. So I use things like um, mnemonics and uh, stupid little songs that I make up or word associations. Mm. Um, so the, my first day on the job, I was talking to Paul, uh, Paul Sinna in, in the studio and I was asking him this kind of question and he's like, you know, there, there are certain things that you just associate and you can, you can stick them together. And the one, he, the example he gave me, was that the brightest star in the Virgo constellation is Speaker. And I'm like, how did you remember that? And he goes, well, at that time, the Speaker of the House of Commons was John Burko, which sounds like Virgo, and he's a Speaker, <laughs> and it's Speaker. And I will literally never forget that fact. Mm. 
Mm. And Paul is brilliant at making those connections. And um, that's one of the reasons why he's so good. I'm, I'm less good at it, but I tried to figure them out. And yeah, I, I do things like that. Little songs, stupid stuff. One of the most annoying things that happened is that Burundi moved its capital. <laughs> so oh. I had a, I had a little song about that. It's like, you know, to the lion sleeps tonight, Burundi, Bajum, because it was Bajumbura and now it's Getafe or Getafe or something. And it just doesn't fit the song. Oh. So it's, I was really annoyed about that. <laughs> have to come up with a new one yeah so you you mentioned that you have a, a full-time job um not a part-time a full-time job at oxford university yeah. as a lab manager how do you use your sort of time management to 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 balance but i know you love both careers so they're not necessarily like laboring for you in 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 that in that sense but how do you manage your, your time management to to prioritize certain things it must be quite the time management task i imagine it is, but I managed to keep them separate because um, a lot of the time I do my quiz work late at night. Um, so, you know, my wife might go to bed and I might sit up for an hour or two at nighttime watching quiz shows or reading books or doing studying. So I tend to, I keep my my science job pretty strictly nine to five, Monday to Friday, um, where I, unless I can't avoid that. And then I do the quiz stuff around that. So I do, I do separate them out. Um, quite strictly because it's it's not possible to do both at the same time it just it just wouldn't work I, I wouldn't be able to do either of them properly so yeah I, I would I don't sleep an awful lot so I would stay up fairly late maybe if, if I needed to I'd sit up for like two or three hours at night time and I don't know learn the list of prime ministers or um, yeah read a book about I don't know random history or British geography which is one of my Achilles heels <laughs> But yeah, I, I just separate them by time. As we met, we mentioned your, your job there as a, as a scientist, and we've had a few notable uh, neuroscientists on this show, or guys involved in neuroscience, from like Andrew Huberman or John Asaraf, and a lot oh. of a lot of the the tips they give in regards to sort of brain health and brain function. They all seem to revolve around like factors like sleep, uh, diet, um, that use it or lose it approach of the brain. Are there any areas that you are particularly conscious about when it comes to, to brain health? For example, like you may be conscious of your sleep. Yeah, so I, I don't need very much sleep. Um, so I, I but I, that's a natural thing. So I'm, but I do genuinely, I don't miss sleep. I, I, I have small children. If I don't go to sleep, I'm dead because in the morning they're going to be up. There's mm. no such thing as a lion. But yeah, I, I think one of the biggest like problems in general not just with your brain but with your body and your cells in general is stress okay. um if you, if you get stressed a lot that's a, it's detrimental for your health and it will really oh. seriously affect your mental health as well um so if you are a person who's a bit of a stress monkey you need to learn a way to dissipate that and deal with it um because collective problems that pile up will will have really serious not just you know, obvious mental effects, but it'll have biochemical and cellular effects on your on your brain. And yeah, it's 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 a really bad idea if you can possibly avoid it. So if you're the kind of person who thinks they thrive on stress, no one thrives on stress. You, you, I, I'm a very relaxed and chill person, so it's easy for me to say this naturally. But you need to you need to find a mechanism of coping with and dissipating stress as probably the number one thing that you can do for your mental health. Well, so. I, I'm like you, I'm quite laid back and quite, I don't often get um, stressed out. I'm sort of, you know, okay, sarah, sarah. Um, but I, I have friends who, you know, some in particular, they get very stressed over 
you know, very minor things. They're the type of people who'll be up at night worrying about, you know, all the things they have to do the next day. They have a, a notepad by their bed just in case they wake up and they write something down. And what advice would you give? Like, where's the best place to look for, um, for some tips in regards to that for those people? Well, it's, it, it is the kind of thing that you need to tailor to an individual. For some people, they, they need medical intervention. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're genuinely really stressed and you're finding it really problematic and it's impacting on your life, your, your doctor is the best person to talk to because they'll have all the options. Um, but, you know, for people who think it's not so serious and they just want to get on top of it, there's plenty of, you know, cognitive behavioral therapies you can do where you actively de-stress yourself. Yeah. And it doesn't work for everyone. That's something, that none of these work for everyone. You have to try different things and see. But yeah, we, uh, the chasers get given a book called um, The Chimp Paradox. So it's by... Um, Stephen. Yeah. So it's, it's by a, a sports psychologist whose surname now yeah. eludes me, which is funny because I'm just talking about how great my memory is. But yeah, it's... Um, Stephen Peters or something? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So he, he's he's been a sports psychologist for Team GB cycling and you know loads of sports teams and stuff. And he talks about this animalistic thing that takes control of your mind and how to to keep that under control. And it's it's a good book to try and understand how your mind works using fairly sort of straightforward non-technical language you know and it it uses the example of the chimp the chimp isn't real but the chimp that lives in your mind your sort of animal based self and if you get you know hungry or tired or stressed or upset that can take over and it can really like take over your brain and this happens to us especially under pressure lots of questions wrong and you just lose control so you can have there's some fairly good books out there but it, definitely the first port of call for anyone who's in serious um, situation is their doctor mm. Yeah, we mentioned there about the, the the chimp example. I imagine that comes up. on a show like the Chase was very time pressured. You know, when the, the clock keeps ticking, and you you mentioned getting hot and flustered, and then the mistakes start coming out. How do you personally deal with that 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 time pressure situation? Is it a is it a case of just how do you stay focused and sort of stay on autopilot mode instead of constantly you know looking at the clock and panicking? So. What happened to me, like this was a bit of a problem for me that I would start worrying about the clock, especially if it got close. Mm. Um, and just by a complete accident a while ago, there was a technical problem and the clock didn't show up on the screen that I can see. Um, and I only realized this because I've been looking at Brad and I went to look up at the clock about 30 or 40 seconds in and it wasn't there. So I just kept going and I realized it was much better for me. <laughs> so now I don't, I don't look at the clock. Yeah, that's almost like um a technique they would say in like the philosophy of stoicism where like you can only focus on the things you can control because like you can't slow the clock down but you can answer the questions in front of you so so the only way i the only time i look at the clock now is if there's a stop so if i've got a question wrong or if the um if there's a, an incident a misread on a question and they have to stop recording so if there's a gap where I'm not answering questions, where I'm not focusing on that, I'll have a look up at the clock to get an idea of how much time I have left. But then I don't look at it again. As soon as Brad starts talking, I actually, if people look at the more recent shows before I was facing forwards, looking at the clock, now I've kind of turned my head slightly and I'm looking down at him and I don't look at, I don't look at the target either. I don't look to see how many I have left to get. I just, uh, the, we have a producer, Ian, who's like a, who's our, who's basically the chaser minder. He looks after us and mm. gets us ready and all that kind of thing. And before every time we go out for a final chase, he gives us the same advice. It's like, you know, sometimes it is the obvious answer. 
remember you're not chasing a target you're just accumulating right answers and that's what we have to do mm. so I focus on the idea that I'm not chasing 19 or 20 questions. I'm just getting the next question right. And it's a real cliche to do, you know, take it one game at a time, one question at a time. But I'm just accumulating answers because knowing the amount of time doesn't really help me. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because people draw a sort of like, um, not a parallel between you and Mark in the sense that, you know, Mark almost like he's consciously rushes certain parts of the chase, whereas you... Maybe at the start, people are thinking, well, he's, you know, he's taking this quite slow. But then over time, you just, you know, you plod along and then eventually, you know, you get to the end and there's that time spare. Yeah, you, you hit a rhythm if you keep going. And I just, I've become sort of more confident in my ability to answer the majority of questions correctly. Hmm. So when I first started, I was like, maybe I won't know five or six of these and I'm going to be in trouble. But honestly, if I don't know five or six and the team has set any sort of score, they're going to beat me. So, you know, it's, it's an unnecessary worry. Mark is infinitely quicker than me, to both to the buzzer and to answer questions. He just fires them out. Him and Paul are just so quick. I'm not able to do that. I need half a second. I need to just go process the question, fire out the answer. So if I think if I was, I, if, you know, if it ever gets to a point where I have to chase a really high target, like, you know, a 26 or a 27 or something, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that. I'll try my best, but I don't think I will. Whereas Paul and Mark and I think Anne and Jenny as well have caught really high scores, you know. So I I don't think that that's my style. I think you're right. I do a, a slow and steady wins the race kind of approach. Am I right in thinking there's this sort of uh, infamous spreadsheet in Chase Folklore that there <laughs> is a, a, a table of who who's the best? Does it get that competitive? Yeah, it, it, it gets... It's a very friendly competitiveness, though. We we get along very well, but we do keep the scores. And by we, I mean Mark. Mark loves his spreadsheets and he loves his statistics. And it's insanely detailed. It's not just wins and losses. It's like, you know, averages of the amount you faced, how quickly you answer each question, mm. all that kind of stuff. And he keeps that mega detailed spreadsheet. And it's it's really cool. And, and it keeps track of who's the best in each series and all that kind of stuff. And there's also a guy on Twitter... Uh, his handle is one question shootout and he keeps publicly keeps ones that have already aired. So obviously Mark's ones are private because they're include ones that haven't aired yet, mm. but he publicly keeps, and I mean, insanely detailed statistics of the show, everything you could possibly want to know from right from day one. He has absolutely, he's got the whole website with really detailed stats. It's a, it's a really good resource. If anybody's nerdy oh. about the show, you check it out. that must be some time management. Cause you'd imagine that guy has a full-time job as well. <laughs> The thing is, with because I do stuff like that with work, if you do it every day, it's not that big a deal. You know, if you, you're talking about, because he'll have spreadsheets, so all he has to do is fill in maybe eight or nine um, things into the spreadsheet, and then the rest all just tabulates. So, he, yeah, he obviously just keeps on top of it, and it's really current. It's, it, it's, a, it's a, honestly, if anyone ever asks me, you know, who's the best chaser, I just go, ask one question shooter, you know. <laughs> You mentioned and, and it's Anne, by the way. Anne is the best. Anne. Wow. Yeah, she wins. She wins the most shows. I don't count because I have a small sample size. But yeah. anyone for anyone over like twenty shows, Anne is Anne and Jenny are the best. Wow. I mean, you, you we mentioned Twitter there, and one thing you do on Twitter is you you do a lot of fun fact tweets. <laughs> do you have a fun fact that may spring to mind right now about absolutely anything that you could bless our listeners with? Um. Yeah. Well. Let me, let me think. Okay, so of all of the animal species in the world, all of them, 
So every single animal species in the world, a quarter of them are beetles. Wow. That is a fun there are, fact. There, there are an insane number of, of beetle species in the world. So uh, we might think we're the dominant species, but if you want to think life form that has the most different types, it's, it's definitely beetles. beetles. And it's an insane number. They're everywhere. Love it. I love it. I, I appreciate that. I'm an insect nerd. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be using that one from now on. Um, you mentioned books a few times throughout this episode. And it, is an, it is a question that we ask all our guests as we start to wind down. What are some of the books that have had the biggest impact on you in your lifetime? Um, so I've, I've read a lot of books. At one point before I had so many jobs and children, I used to read about two or three books a week. Um, so yeah, quite a lot. Uh, when I was a kid, I got a book from my aunt, from my aunt, my auntie Anne, because I drove her mad asking her questions. <laughs> and, it was called, and it was called Tell Me Why. And it was basically an encyclopedia for children with answers to random questions. You know, tell me why the sky is blue. Yeah. Tell me why the wind blows, that kind of thing. And I loved that book. It was, it had about a thousand random facts in it. Like this is basically made for me. And she got it for me so that I would stop annoying her basically. <laughs> and, and I think that had a huge impact on me because it, it really made me sort of want to figure out how the world worked. And I think it kind of pushed me towards getting into science and into trivia and into facts and things. So that, that one was, was great. But I read, I read a lot of fantasy books. I'm a okay. big nerd. So, you know, things like The Hobbit, I read that when I was young and I've read it hundreds of times and all the Terry Pratchett Discworld books and mm. all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I love escapism and, and that kind of thing as a way to wind down. So, yeah, things like that. But if I was to pick one, it would be that Tell Me Why book I got when I was about six. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. So you almost use like these fantasy books that are like, you know, a, a complete world to sort of escape the, the, the sort of busy life I imagine you have. I mean, you, you open that book and you, you know, you're transported into another world where these, you know, responsibilities don't exist anymore. Yeah. And, and when I had more time, I started writing one and I oh. got loads of words down and it's terrible i reread it recently it's all over the place because i i kept dipping in and out of it so it's really inconsistent if i ever get any free time which is unlikely i might go back and try and write <laughs> and are there any um self-help personal development or you know maybe like some psychology or science books that that you would recommend that you enjoy yeah so the 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 chimp paradox is a great one for self-help but i don't read a lot of self-help books because i'm mm. one of these really annoying very stable happy kind of people yeah. so I, I don't, you don't need them I, I just i don't really need to read them um there's plenty of excellent um science books for uh, popular ones and i'm actually writing one right now with my boss so Ooh. watch this space we're writing one so that should hopefully hopefully if we can get it published come out soon but if you're going to look at you know, popular science books, depending on the type of person you are. If you want something that's, you know, easy to read and lots, lots of short, cool facts, there's, there's a book called um, Does Anything Eat Wasps? It's called. Mm. And it's a series of, I think it was the new scientists have a, like a write-in column where you can write in and ask random questions and scientists will answer them. And it's collated all of those. So it's all these really weird, random topics uh, things like does anything eat wasps yes lots of things do by the way there's even a bird called a wasp eater um and that that's really good but if you if you wanted to go for a bit heavier there's some really really good books um the, the panda's thumb is great it's all about evolution and how how things change and um 
There's another one that was re recently called Other Minds, which is a great sort of neurology uh, book about non-vertebrate intelligence, which is really great. It's got a big octopus on the cover. I can't remember who wrote it though, but it's, yeah, that, that's a really great book as well. Awesome. So you mentioned that you were working on a book there and you, you mentioned it was, yeah. you know, science. Is that going to be, you know, quite a heavy book or is that going to be something more no. a popular, very accessible book that someone like myself? No, that, yeah, we're still in the drafting process, so I'm not allowed to go into details, but it mm. will be a, it will be a, we're aiming it to be a very widespread, popular science book for people who are interested in science, but aren't scientists. So, awesome. you know, we would expect a certain amount of interest in the topic. So it's not going to be completely, you know, populist, yeah. but if you're the kind of person who likes reading about science or about technology, we're aiming at that audience. Awesome. I uh, I look forward to that, and hopefully we can t we can talk again about that book and its content when yeah. it comes out. That would be really fun. Um, the last question I have for you today that we ask everyone, so I'll give you an example first. So for myself, what makes uh, a life worth living for me at the moment is having conversations like this, putting them out, and you know if it affects even one person a day, then I go to bed at night and I feel fulfilled and happy. So for you right now, Dara Ennis, what makes a life worth living? I always was told by my dad, and this is a very big cliche, is that when you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning, you should be proud of what you see and you should put more good into the world than you take out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's how I like, like to live. I hope to live. Um, sometimes I don't like what I see, but that's usually because I'm exhausted because one of the children has woken me up at four o'clock in the morning or something. But um, yeah, no, I, I think put, put more into the world than you take out of it and leave it a better place when you're gone. I love it. Dara, where can our listeners find you on social media and the like? Yeah, so you can find me at my childhood nickname, at Bones Giles. Or if you want to find me for my science work, just look up our lab website, which is ilandavis.com. So I-L-A-N-D-A-V-I-S.com. Perfect. Dara, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure, man. Lovely. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. We will see you back here again on Friday. Until then, if you would like to support the show, the number one way in which you can do that is going over to YouTube and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. That helps us out so much. Don't forget that The Chase is weekdays at 5 p.m. on ITV or catch up on the ITV Hub if you would like to see today's guest in action. We will see you back here on Friday. Thank you so much.